The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 11.05 in your Saturday morning and back to the Pinpoint Health Show. You'll want to reach out. Phone lines are open to talk to Dr. Lou, 416-870-6400. You'll want to follow Pinpoint Health on social. And The Lou Down, that's L-O-U, The Lou Down, an amazing new podcast series. Dr. Lou, you put together some time ago and you're getting uh, an all-star roster on that sucker for sure. Some good stuff, some great content to be had, listened to, and viewed there as well. So uh, congrats on that one. And the special guests, the uh, the brilliant people keep on coming on the show who do you got today pal yeah thanks john um yeah before we get to the guest the the lou down um for sure has been uh, something that i've wanted to launch um for a long time with covid i've had more time to be at home and so i figured it'd be um a good time to start that long format mm-hmm. conversation with a lot of great people um you heard greg end off the, the his show um he he was on brilliant guy himself um just having a conversation with people about all things uh, right now, related to COVID, we'll, you know, eventually once this sort of gets behind us, we'll move on to other topics as well. But uh, the, our guest today, Dr. Dina Kulik, who's a pediatrician um, and emergency room doctor from SickKids and also the founder of Kids Crew Clinic, um, is with us today to take calls. She also uh, joined me on the podcast, which we released um, for that long format conversation. But she's, she's doing us a great service by being here on the show today. Um, to to answer the listeners' calls. So if you if you've got concerns, um, again, as a pediatrician, I think one thing that we can uh, be thankful for is that um, COVID nineteen doesn't seem to affect our kids all that much in terms of serious illness, which is a blessing, of course. Uh, but you know, there's still concerns that people have. So um, you know, Dr. Uh, Dina is here. Uh, Dr. Dina, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. Let's uh, let's get right into it. Um, when we started in the podcast, uh, and, and I'll ask you to sort of reiterate this again right now, um, if you don't mind, why is it that kids don't seem to get serious illness from COVID-19? We don't totally know yet. We seem okay. to be finding out more information day by day, hour by hour sometimes. But we do think there's some element of inflammation in blood vessels that's causing the most significant of illnesses within COVID, and kids by and large have healthier vessels. So if you're an older person, if you have high blood pressure or diabetes or heart disease or other conditions that lead to weakening of the vessel walls, you presumably are more likely to get significant illness with COVID versus children who by and large have healthy vessels. Makes perfect sense. With with the SARS virus back in 2003, and, and I don't know if you know this for sure, but how that virus, um, which is obviously very similar to another coronavirus, um, did that affect kids very much at that time? It didn't really affect that many children, and there wasn't nearly as many cases of SARS. The difference between SARS and COVID, amongst others, is that SARS tend to make more people very sick. So a lot of people were admitted to hospital or admitted to ICUs. They were far less people then with COVID that were either asymptomatic or had mild symptoms. So with COVID, many people are walking around in the community and they have no symptoms, and yet they could potentially pass on to COVID to other people. Whereas with SARS, people by and large were much more sick. The mortality rate was much higher. So we were able to contain it 
more easily because there was less asymptomatic carriage of the illness. Yeah, yeah that's been sort of a perfect storm with this uh, with this virus. I also um, remember with uh, the 2003 SARS that um, I think it was also that the in terms of the, the spreading the virus, it didn't happen until people were, were symptomatic. And by that time, like you said, they were quite sick. Um, so they were already in isolation or in hospital. And so a lot of the spread that happened with the original SARS was, was in the hospital setting versus with this virus, um, SARS-CoV-2. Um, it, it seems to uh, have that perfect storm like you, you just mentioned there where um, there's asymptomatic people that are spreading it, which that brings me on to a, to another thing that you and I discussed a little bit on the podcast, but I think would be um, important again to highlight here for listeners that are listening live. And, and again, the phone lines are open, um, so feel free to call in. Um, this idea that people feel fine and so they think, you know, I can break these social isolation rules. Let me go out. Let me do my thing. Uh, I, I haven't had symptoms. No one in my family that I live with has had symptoms, so I therefore must be fine. That's, that's the wrong approach, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't even know the real numbers of how many people have COVID. Not everyone's being tested. I mean, proportionally for our population, very few people are being tested. And even if you are being tested, the test is far from accurate. So I have been living my life and telling my audience to live their lives as if every single person you come in contact with has COVID, even if they have zero symptoms whatsoever, and every surface has COVID on it. That's how I think we'll help, you know, continue to maintain a bit of social distancing, keep our hands clean, because so many people have COVID and have no idea and will never know, and it'll be very difficult to see who gets COVID from who, given the fact that so many people, most people, are either asymptomatic or have incredibly mild symptoms. Yeah, and um, do we have to take a break there, John? Yeah, we'll take a uh, quick one and get to it. If you have questions for uh, Dr. Dean or Dr. Lou, for that matter, bring them on. We just got started, just getting warmed up here. 416-870-6400, Pinpoint Health Show, right here, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And 11.15, right back to it here, the Pinpoint Health Show. You want to go online to Pinpoint Health on social and the Lou Down, the uh, the podcast, L-O-U, the Lou Down. Lots of good stuff on there as well, including uh, sessions with uh, some very intelligent people in the medical community, like Dr. Dina Kulik, who's joining us on this show, Dr. Lou, pediatrician. And uh, I want to get to some phone calls, uh, 416-870-6400, before we get back to the uh, topic at hand. Uh, Chang, thank you for hanging on. Good morning. Hello. Uh, my question is, uh, I have high blood pressure, but I took uh, blood pressure pills, and then it's under control, under 130 and 80. So would that consider as a risk factor, even uh, like a diabetes person, but my reading is normal for the COVID-19? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, comorbidities are um, a risk factor for more serious illness. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to turn it over to our guest, uh, Dr. Dina, if you want to give your um, sort of insight on that, uh, we'd appreciate it. Sure, yeah, thanks for the question. So I'll preface it by saying I'm a pediatrician. I don't typically give advice for people older than 18. But, yeah, I would consider you to be um, at elevated risk. Even though your blood pressure is stable now, clearly you were put on medicine for a reason, being that your pressure was higher so probably for some amount of time, 
you had some, you know, vessel damage, you know, even if it's very minimal. And so I would continue to practice what we all should be practicing, even if you have no particular risk factors. The reality is there's still many otherwise completely well, healthy people, some people in their 20s, 30s, and even children that are getting very sick with COVID. So I don't think anyone should have a false sense of security that because they have no known underlying health conditions that they are completely out of harm's way. Okay. Uh, okay. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it, Shang. Dr. Dina, that, that's a great point there, that the false sense of security, that people that think that they're otherwise completely healthy. I've spoken to a few individuals that even consider them, and, the, and this is sort of an example where people have said, well, the only thing that I have is a little bit of hypertension, so I'm otherwise healthy. But that false sense of security, number one, that's not completely healthy, and, and number two, like you just mentioned there, even if you don't have any other problems, there are people who are otherwise perfectly healthy individuals getting very, very sick from this and, and, and in some cases even being fatal. So really the only way that we have to protect ourselves well against this is, is, that I, is the social distancing and all the other public health measures that we've put in place, really. I agree completely. I don't want anyone to think, oh, I'm not in that age category. I'm not in that health category. I'm perfectly well. I mean, just by nature of getting older every day, that puts you at an increased risk. But again, there are some young people, even children, you know, healthy people in their 20s and 30s that have otherwise no health problems that are even succumbing to COVID. So don't don't get that sense, uh, you know, false sense of security. It's not going to be helpful. Dr. Tina, latest, I mean, I think the, the latest buzzword, at least this week or the last week and a half with people with kids and the relationship to COVID has been a Kawasaki disease. Everybody's panicking about this almost as much as they are with murder hornets, it seems like, in, in social media. But uh, a little detail about how that how's that affected by COVID or what is it exactly? Sure, yeah, it's a good, good question and lots of fear and panic over this for sure. Yeah. So Kawasaki disease is an inflammatory condition. We don't know the cause of it. There are thoughts that it's virally triggered, but most kids that get it, we never know exactly what it was that triggered it. And it's been around forever, you know, as long as I've been a pediatrician, and we are seeing a slight rise of what looks like Kawasaki disease. What Kawasaki disease is typically is five or more days of fever persistently. Kids have red eyes or pink eyes. They have mouth changes, for example, having cracked lips or a swollen tongue, or a lot of redness in their mouth. They might have swollen hands or feet, or peeling of the skin on the hands and the feet, and they have rash, and they have a big lymph node, typically you know, a larger sized lymph node in the neck. Now, some kids have all five of these features, plus the fever. Some kids have the fever and less of these symptoms. And we're not seeing classic Kawasaki disease in this setting, but rather other forms of inflammation. So, you know, people have spoken about COVID toes, which is this rash of the lower extremities. And, you know, some kids have had classic Kawasaki symptoms and others have had less days of fever or less of these five features, plus or minus the risk part of Kawasaki disease, which is coronary artery aneurysms or having aneurysms in the small vessels that provide the heart with oxygen. And we're seeing some more of these kind of heart concerns in children. That being said, it's a correlation that it's related to COVID because these children have all been tested for COVID and yet not all of them are testing positive. And is that because it's not triggered by COVID or the test, as we know, is imperfect in detecting COVID or perhaps kids are even less accurately 
tested with COVID. Maybe the test works even less well with young people. We're not totally sure, but certainly there seems to be a rise in inflammatory conditions associated in this time, maybe triggered by COVID. Perhaps it's a totally different cause. We'll take a, a short break and tomorrow your calls. Bring them on, 416-870-6400 for, for Dr. Dean or Dr. Lou. That's why they are here. The Pinpoint Health Show continues. Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 1123 Pinpoint Health Show to reach out to 1-855-55-DR-LOU, D-R-L-O-U, Pinpoint Health on social. And the Lou Down is the uh, podcast series which you can catch any time as well. We continue here for the remainder of the hour, of course, with Dr. Lou and Dr. Dina Kulik, a pediatrician, uh, sick kids. We're going to get over to a, a to phone call, I think, guys. Paul, thanks for hanging on. Good morning. Hi, good morning. I uh, just wanted to ask the doctor uh, the risk factors uh, if somebody is uh, suffering with uh, HIV and COVID, how it relates in terms of is it uh, more susceptible uh, with viral loads, uh, if the viral loads are undetectable? Yeah, so it's a good question. I mean, going back to what we know about COVID with the comorbidities, that really any other comorbidity does um, increase the risk of, of COVID and its and, and subsequent serious illness. Um, something like HIV, which uh, leads to uh, your immune uh, system being depressed, I would imagine, uh, and, I'm, and I don't work in that field, right, so, but uh, from a from a purely theoretical standpoint, I would imagine that, yeah, of course, it would it would uh, um, create more susceptibility. Dr. Dina, is there anything that you know in particular on that that you can add? No, I don't have anything to add on that, really. I think, as you said, any comorbidity theoretically increases the risk. As, as we go farther in this, I think we'll be able to stratify more, you know, the X number of people you know, that to come to COVID or X number of people that got severe COVID requiring ICU admission had these various illnesses. And it may pan out that these immunocompromised states or weakened immune system states like HIV may be a huge risk factor, may not be. We're still so early in this. And, you know, around the world, we're still collecting so much data. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah, just wondering that... uh... In terms of essential services as well, uh, if somebody's working at an essential service, not technically uh, being affected by the uh, by the virus, uh, would it be cause for concern to and would it be uh, justification for not going in? I guess that may not be in the scope of uh, your your topic, but um, just wondering. Yeah. yeah, sure, and uh, yeah. So I mean, I'll, I'll sort of circle around the edges on that one, I think I'd go back to Dr. Dina's point, right? The reality about the situation that we're dealing with is that this is a new virus. We don't know a heck of a lot about it. We're starting to learn more and more. But really, Dr. Dina's advice, I think, is very sound advice. Um, Everybody needs to do everything they possibly can to protect themselves. In terms of the individual risks and whether someone should or should not work, that becomes an an individual choice. And I think that's, that's a that's something that you would have to or whomever would have to to, to look at it and, and understand that. But I think, um, yeah, it really comes down to the idea that we all have to do our part. We all have to do our very best to protect ourselves from getting this 
virus and from potentially spreading it to others. Would you agree with that, Dr. Dina? 100%. I think it's a, a better question to discuss with your own physician who knows yeah. you best and your health conditions best. And, you know, as you mentioned, your viral load being very low or whoever you're speaking about, that is reassuring that your immune system is not as compromised. But absolutely, these personal questions, discuss with your physician, please. Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks for the call, Paul. Yeah, it almost becomes a bit of an employment issue, too, I guess, if you're just not going to go to work. So I'd be careful on that front as well, <laughs> right? Well, then that's why there's the employment show as well, right? So with uh, with Lior. So, I mean, that's uh, something for sure. That's not uh, the area that we're going to deal in uh, here on the Pinpoint Health Show. And, and again, today we have the pleasure of having Dr. Dina Kulik, who's a, a pediatrician and emergency room doc. Um, from Sick Kids, um, also the founder of Kids Crew, and also a great Instagram page. So I would encourage everybody, yep. um, Dr. Dina Kulik on Instagram, um, and also check out drdina.com. Or is it .com or .ca? Uh, doc, I forgot right now. Drdina.ca. Drdina.ca. John, do we have to take a break right now? Uh, no, but I think we've got time to take uh, take Jeff before we break. Hey, Jeff, thanks for calling in. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, hi, Dr. Dina. Um, just a couple of things. Thank, just want to thank all the uh, frontline workers everywhere doing their best to, to help everybody out. Um, secondly, um, just I'm a little disappointed with some of the mixed messages that the medical community is kind of saying about you can get it again and all that stuff. There's studies out of South Korea that says if you're testing for it and it says it's positive, it's really a fake positive because just like anything else, our anti- we build up antibodies from it. But yes, there are different strains of it, just like the common cold. So there's a misnomer fallacy that we're going to have a vaccine because we don't have a vaccine for the common cold. So why are we holding out for a vaccine? You know, we're trying to cheat death by cheating life. You know, that's that's the mixed message. I think the, the federal doctor is saying, Tam and, and Davila, the Ontario one. You know, it's, it's not, we're not going to eradicate this. Yeah, I mean, so thanks for the call, um, Jeff. Um, I think, again, um, and I'll turn it over to Dr. Dina in a second. I think the question probably is for, in general, more of a comment. Um, I think it goes back to, to another point Dr. Dina made. This is a new virus. Um, and so we're trying to figure out a lot of things about this. This is not something, there's no precedent that we have prior to this. Um, where we can just sort of follow whatever was done prior to in, in, in something that uh, of this magnitude. Uh, I think things you're hearing, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of the messaging that changes people right away want to jump out to, well, there must be a conspiracy or there must be this or there must be that. The reality is everyone's just learning as we go. And, and because we're learning new things as we go, some of the things that we thought a month ago, even myself, I, I'm guilty of it. Some of the and I'm not guilty because of 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 malice or anything like that. It's just simply guilt based uh, on on ignorance. We didn't know certain things a month ago that today we know, and probably in a month from now we'll know more. And so, as all of these things change, um, then I think it's important for everyone's knowledge um, uh, and actions to adapt. Uh, Dr. Dina, I'll turn that to you as well. Yeah, thank you for the question. I think I agree. We are learning new things every day. Just a couple points of what you mentioned, though. Coronaviruses, you're right, it's a family of many viruses, some of which cause the common cold, and then there's the one that causes SARS and the one that causes MERS and the one that causes um, COVID-19. They, the testing for it, whether that's the nasal swab or testing for serology, is specific to COVID-19. So your test would not be positive 
this COVID-19 swab if you had another COVID or sorry, another coronavirus. It would not pick up. It would not be positive if you have a typical cold coronavirus. So it is specific for those. But we do know that the test is inaccurate. It's certainly not picking up 100% of people that have COVID-19 infection, nor does the serology, the blood test that looks whether you have antibodies or not, or at least partial immunity, those tests are also not 100% accurate. So you are right that we can't determine every single person that has COVID infection, but it is a different test. We're looking at different things when we're looking for other coronavirus infections. But you're right. We don't know if you have immunity at all, even from the illness. SARS probably gave people immunity. Common cold commonly does give immunity, but only for a month or two or up to even a year. So if we have a vaccine, we don't know if it'll work, if it'll if the virus will mutate and then beat the vaccine, just as we have to make new versions of the influenza vaccine year by year, because there's many strains of it now. We don't know if you will even make lifetime immunity or even one month of immunity, either from getting the illness or from getting the vaccine. There's so many unknowns. Yeah. With that, we'll take a, a quick break, guys. I don't want to comment on that, Dr. Lee. You can do so after we uh, we take a short one. Uh, Adrian, hang on. We'll get to your call as well. you still got some time for you, 416-870-6400. It is the Pinpoint Health Show. Bring it on right here, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 11.33, Pinpoint Health Show online, Pinpoint Health on social, Facebook and Instagram. And the Lou Down is the latest podcast series by Dr. Lou, so make sure you... Uh, you check that one out, but here for the next half hour, 416-870-6400 is the way to go. Adrian, thanks for hanging on. How are you? Morning, John. How are you, pal? Morning. Not too bad yourself. Good morning, Good. Dr. Lou. Good morning, Dr. Dina. This question is more directed to uh, Dr. Dina. I know we're all trying our best with our social distancing here, and I know that myself and my wife like to go out for walks with our two-month-old. Is there any precautions we should be taking in terms of uh, covering the stroller when we're going out for these walks? Good morning. Thank you for the question. I think as long as you maintain that two meters of distance, I wouldn't necessarily be covering it. I mean, it's quite cold anyway in Toronto right now, so you're probably going to cover it anyway. But, you know, as long as you're maintaining that distance, then you should be fine to go for walks. You know, my family and I, I have four young kids from two to nine. We do go out most days and we stay far away from other people. You know, we might cross the sidewalk or we might kind of go run in, in a field, but without anyone else present. And I'm not concerned about that as long as you're not touching things. And if you are touching things, then you wash your hands very well with soap and water for at least 20 seconds afterwards and maintaining that physical distance. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks, okay. Adrian. Awesome. Appreciate it, pal. Have a enjoy the uh, the rest of your weekend. There you go. 416-870-6400 to reach out just like Adrian did. That would be really cool. Yeah, that, that was a, a great question in terms of uh, – now, that's a pretty – that's a young child, obviously, Dr. Dina, like, you know, when, when a baby is under, I guess, under the 12-month mark. Um, should any, I guess, sort of to carry that question forward, are there any other extra precautions that you're recommending um, for individuals with newborns like that? No, not really. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're going to – 
like your physician's office to get measured and jaundice checks and those kinds of things. You want to be very cautious when you go to hospital settings or clinic settings as they, you know, your clinician should have already set up for you. And otherwise, if you're out and about in a stroller, then just keep those clean hands and keep your distance. I wouldn't be maybe as out and about as many other parents are with new kids, you know, you know, going to museums and, you know, taking rides on subways yeah. and going to big gatherings, of course, we're going to be minimizing that. But to go for a walk outside as it gets nicer outside, I do want to encourage people to keep getting, you know, fresh air, some exercise. Being cooped up in the house all day is not going to be good for anyone's mental health. No, not at all. And I think, I think you know, I, I have a 15-month-old at home, and I remember last year when he was a newborn, we were, I, I feel like we were extra cautious during those times, and I feel like most people probably are with newborns. We were washing our hands way more often. People that were coming over to the house at that time, which obviously would not happen now, um, were washing their hands. If people were sick, they were staying away. I, there were a couple times where we were supposed to go to someone's house, and they told us, you know, their kids had a, a bit of a of a cold or something, and we avoided it. So I, I do think probably that demographic of people with newborn probably already um, are a little bit more cautious um, anyhow when you're dealing with a newborn um, in, in that way. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. One of um, the other things that you and I spoke about, and this sort of turns away um, just from the pediatric side of it, but and I think it's a really important point. Um, you and I were both saying that we've heard people speak about, you know, you hear numbers and it's like, well, only only older people are passing away from this or only people with comorbidities and you know that's a really sad thing these are these are human lives these are someone's mother brother uh sister whatever it may be these are humans these are not just some person um that you know is just a number that doesn't have any meaning to anybody and i know that that sort of hit home with you as well when we spoke on the podcast for sure. I think the best thing to do is to personalize it, right? So yeah. just think about a number. Oh, yes, 80% of the mortality rate in Ontario is from long-term care homes. Okay, as you mentioned, that's someone's mother, sister, brother, aunt, etc. If you just think about your own family for a moment, right? So my parents are in their 70s. They're not unwell people by any means, but they are in their 70s. They are therefore high risk, though they are healthy. If you think about those people, everyone has people in their lives that are older probably than 60 or 70 think about those people getting sick mm -hmm. or succumbing to this illness make it real for you because that's the reality the people that are dying again are not all people with chronic health conditions or people older than 60 or 70 there are people in canada right now healthy 20 and 30 year olds that are ventilated in icus across this country healthy people that are my age and younger that's a real thing and it's not predictable it is not predictable who is going to be one of these young, otherwise healthy people that gets very sick with it? We don't know why some people get sick. By and large, it's the elderly, as we said. But those are, again, real people, you know, our parents and our grandparents and our aunts and our uncles and our mentors and our friends. Yeah, for sure. And it's a very, I agree, it's a sad thing to just think of it that way. But I think that's great advice if you personalize it and you make it real for yourself. And I think that goes for a lot of things in life when you can personalize it to yourself. That always uh We'll sort of hit home longer. I think we have to take a break, John. Yeah, we do. And Joe and Claudia, we will get to your calls as soon as we come back from that break. So stand by and uh, hold tight. We'll get to you. 416-870-6400, Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And so we roll on here, Pinpoint Health Show, uh, to reach outside of the hour of the show, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, Pinpoint Health. On social and the Lou Down is the podcast series. The Lou Down is where you'll catch Dr. Lou. But uh, for the remaining hour, Dr. Dina Kulik is here answering your questions. We'll get to a uh, a couple phone calls here. Claudia, thank you for hanging on. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, everyone. Uh, Hi my there. question is for Dr. Dina. I've got uh, three, three young boys. Uh, two of them are registered for summer camp this coming summer. In just the past week, I've received two emails from different camps, uh, so one being through the school board who, who has decided to cancel camp, and the other from a private company that says they're doing everything possible to run camps and their intention is to run camps. Ultimately, I know the decision lies in, in me to make, but is there any advice that you can offer parents or guidance that we can use to help make that difficult decision as to whether or not to send children to camps if they are running this summer? Thank you for the question. Yeah, it's it's an important one. As I mentioned, I have four of my own little kids, and they are all registered to go to camps this summer. And I would like them to go. You know, it's been a very long year for them, and and they're antsy to get moving and get socializing, and I'm antsy for them to not be in the house all day. (laughs) But I think we need to be really cautious about it, right? So, I think, as we mentioned earlier, things are changing day by day. We might have a second wave before the summer hits. We might have a mortality rate that plummets in the next couple of weeks. I think it really depends on on what is happening in our communities. And, of course, it's community-specific, you know, day by day. How many cases you might have in your community might be vastly different than in mine, vastly different, you know, than in Lou's. So I think we have to be a little bit mindful that the stats around Canada and around the world are going to be varied. And of course, there's the things, the limitations, the safety plans that these camps are going to have in place. Are they going to minimize the group sizes? Are they going to make sure that every single person coming every day is healthy and not exposed to any other healthy people or unhealthy people? Of course, as we mentioned, lots of people are asymptomatic and they can still make you infected. So there's a lot of things we have to look at when thinking about summer camps and daycares and going back to school. You know, lots of opportunities to clean your hands, physically distancing kids. There's lots happening. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you, Claudia. Appreciate the call. John, before we go, I think there's another call. But before we go there, Dr. Dina, you brought up, I think, a really important point that I think um, maybe doesn't get talked about enough we hear about covid around the world and we constantly talk about a country or a province but it, i think it's important to also understand the granularity of going further and you brought up that idea of the of the individual communities that we're in i think that matters a lot because all of these things are very different we can't just you know you can't look at the numbers of canada and and think that that is consistent across all of canada there's some regions and areas that probably have almost no cases whatsoever and then there's obviously other areas which are inundated with cases and i think that's a great point and i think people need to appreciate that that more local um community and understanding sort of what's happening really close to home and close to to where you are um uh, specifically in, in your lives i agree with that if i can add one little point here yeah. when we talk about case rates as we know the testing is not being done on everybody and we know it's inaccurate. So it's hard to rely on the case rate 
um, the prevalence rate of COVID, but rather what we know to be true for sure objectively is mortality rate. So if you have a high mortality rate in an area, you could assume there's a huge case rate. If you have a close to zero mortality rate, you could assume the case rate is going to be far lower than somewhere with a mortality rate that is higher. So objectively, we can look at the mortality rate in, in a real sense of what's happening with this illness, less so the case rate. Great point. John, how are we for break time? I know I'm, I'm not uh, in the studio, so I can't see. Yeah, we've got a couple minutes. Want to slide over to a phone call or two. Yeah, Joe, thanks sure. for hanging on. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this question for Dr. Dina. You mentioned uh, immunity and building your immunity. So my question is, uh, by us staying within our residence and not going out and creating that social distancing, uh, how are we supposed to build our immunity? Uh, maybe not the elderly, but especially the the younger generation. I got two small kids and, you know, growing up, uh, I'm sure that uh, we all need to socialize and, and to build that immunity. Uh, so I'm just getting some mixed messages as to, uh, you know, moving forward, how do we build that immunity? Thank you for the question. Are you referring to immunity to COVID or immunity in general? Well, I mean, or I guess our immunity in general uh, in order to fight certain flus or uh, maybe even the COVID. So uh, by us being cooped up inside, how are we supposed to, uh, you know, remain healthy and, uh, and, and by, by, by having that social distancing? Well, your, your body creates immunity or antibodies, if you will, when you're exposed to particular viruses. So immunity is not like a global concept. It's really related to individual things that you've been exposed to. So when we think about vaccines, vaccines are a way that your body will sense that they've seen, quote unquote, this virus or this bacteria and mount an immune response to that, thereby creating antibodies. Similarly, if you've been exposed to an illness, whether you get very sick or you don't, your body will presumably, again, create antibodies. But again, we don't know if the antibodies that are created from being exposed or infected with COVID, or if one day we have a vaccine for it, whether those antibodies will prevent infection, whether it will be strong enough to prevent an infection, or how long-lasting they would be. These antibodies produced when you get sick doesn't necessarily, at least not as much as we know now, create lifelong immunity, long-lasting immunity, or whether you can get infected again two weeks later. We just don't know that. But I'm not really concerned about kids having weaker immune systems because they've not been exposed to other kids for a few months. They've had years to do that, and that will happen again anyway in the future. Great, great, great question there. Um, John, I, I think now is probably the time for the break, right? Yeah, we'll take a short one, get that done and out of the way, then we'll get to Sheila's call and uh, some more comments. We'll, uh, we'll get right to it here. It's the Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Pinpoint L Show, last uh, few minutes to go here. You want to reach out after the show, one 855 Dr. Lou. Pinpoint Health on social, like Facebook and Instagram. You can catch the Lou Down is the new podcast series, long form, with Dr. Lou. And Dr. Dina Kulik is on uh, Insta as well, so you can check out uh, her page. And start following. Sheila, thank you for uh, for standing by. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you all for all your tireless work on trying to solve this disease and uh my question is not about disease, it's about arthritis. My sister is 89 in May, and she has very bad arthritis in her feet and her legs. Is there any kind of a rub or a pill that she can take? Because 
these other ones certainly aren't working. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think this is more my area of expertise for sure than Dr. Dina's. Um, it's always very hard to say without properly assessing somebody what it is they could be using to manage any other things. I, I, I encourage people um, to still keep the lines of communication open with their primary care providers um, and, and healthcare team. A lot of uh, these professionals are still available through virtual care um, and other means where you don't necessarily have to go in. So I, I'm not gonna give specific advice on what your sister could take. Um, I, I would encourage her to to call these people, she can even call me, set up an appointment with me, that's fine. But I think that's the proper way to go about it. You know, we've got to do our due diligence um, to make sure we understand the extent of the problem uh, before we make any recommendations. But there's definitely stuff that, that can be done, but I encourage that, that to be done through um, the appropriate channels, okay? Yeah, it's just that, you know, when you get old, they think, oh, because you're old, you're, there's nothing you can do for it. Well, I mean, I, I can't comment on what other people believe about that. I, I think there's always ways to manage things. Um, so, again, it, you know, I, I give me a call after um, the show or, or ask your sister to, um, to call me and, and we can and can speak more specifically, but I'm, I'm not going to provide any general recommendations per se. Sheila, appreciate the call. Here it is, one eight five 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 five. doctor Lou, D-R-L-O-U is the way to reach out, guys. Uh, Dr. Dina, one thing, because I, I guess we're, we're getting close, um, but quickly, uh, before we, we end off for the show, um, the topic of vaccines, which you and I spoke about on the podcast, um, you mentioned something very important in terms of being up to date with all of your scheduled vaccines for kids, and it might be more important now than ever. Can you just give us that quickly for the listeners, because I think it's very important. Yeah, thank you. It is really important. A lot of people are delaying care, whether for illnesses or injuries or for routine visits like vaccines or newborn checks. And this poses a big problem for us and a huge concern. From the illness injury perspective, we've seen a rise in emergency rooms of kids coming in more sick than they otherwise would have been with injuries that are lingering longer than they should. And we don't want to be you know, trying to chase illness when they, we, they could have been managed earlier. From the vaccine end, many of us have concerns, including the World Health Organization, that so many kids are delaying vaccines. Either they don't have access to their physician right now or they're scared of leaving their homes. And once COVID is over, quote unquote, or we get more back to normal routines, there'll be a lot of under-vaccinated kids in the community. And what does that look like in terms of illnesses like meningitis, and pneumococcal illness like causes strep throat and pneumonia and meningitis or whooping cough or measles. We have a lot of kids in close spaces again, like in daycares and schools and camps. These illnesses are quite contagious and tend to cause much more illness and even death in young people. So though COVID isn't posing a huge issue for most healthy kids, measles certainly can and whooping cough certainly can and meningitis and the like. So if you have access to your doctor right now, I would have a conversation with them, whether that's virtual or in person, about what to do with vaccines. And if you don't have access to your doctor right now, there are other places like at Kid Crew where I work, where we can provide advice and even give vaccines if needed to someone who doesn't have access to their doctor. But I really want people to stay up to date with their vaccines and to get help if your child is sick or injured in a quick way, not delaying care so that your child doesn't get more sick. 
Yeah, very, very important. Dr. Dina, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Dr. Dina, a pediatrician, founder of Kids Crew. Uh, check her out at drdina.ca and also check her out on Instagram and also your mother of four. So, of course, happy Mother's Day to you tomorrow um, and happy Mother's Day to, to everybody else listening. But thank you for joining us today, Dr. Dina. Thank you very much. Stay healthy and safe. Thank you. Well, John, there's another one for the, the books, another great guest. We'll, we'll make sure to keep lining them up for the weeks to come. I think it's really important that... Uh, you know, we use all of the resources that we have, all of these brilliant people. I'm doing my best to, to connect with all of them and, and get them on the show to provide um, all of the levels of expertise. Um, you know, I know that I'm not an expert in everything, but I know that I can definitely find those people and then I'll make sure to bring them. So keep listening to, to the show. Check out the Lou Down um, and lots of informative stuff there, but another great week, I think. You bet, and we'll do it all again next week. And in the meantime, reaching out one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U Pinpoint Health online as well. That would be Instagram and social. And as uh, Doctor Lou just mentioned, the podcast, the Lou Down. Have a look, yeah, look at that as well. When you got some time, we'll see you next week right here, Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.